Hello and welcome. It's another week in the wonderful world of Techpedition. My name is Kerry Brown and I'm here with my brother Clarence as always. How's it going, man? It's going good, dude. Glad to be back to talk tech as usual, man. Right on, right on. Been up to anything or what you been up to? Oh man, nothing exciting really other than what I've been watching and stuff, wrapping up WandaVision and getting adept to my Nintendo Switch that I got a couple weeks ago. So yeah, mostly Switch and TV, I guess. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, same old here. Um, Just been playing. I've been playing mine quite a bit, actually. I'm playing the game Bravely Default 2. It's really all I played. I bought I bought quite a few games, but that's really the only one I played worth anything. I, I play Rocket League a little bit. I whooped up on some noobs, but I haven't played a lot of that. It's been mostly Bravely Default. But speaking of Nintendo Switch, we were talking last week about how they never like mark their games down. Remember that? Yeah, yeah their first party. <laughs> yeah, but um, apparently 310, March the 10th, is Mario Day. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. Mar 10. Mar 1 IO. Mar 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like every year. This is new to me, but they mark, they have a sale. They have a Mario Day sale. And I had, I did not know about this. Most of the Mario games, like the newer ones that like recently came out, like the Bowser Fury, it's not marked down, but most of them are marked down. To me, it's just 75% on this article. Most of the ones I saw were marked down like 20 bucks, which is good for Nintendo because like we said last week, they never mark down anything, especially first party stuff. So. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. I actually, some of the stuff isn't marked down. A, a lot of these titles are marked down on the eShop. There's Luigi's Mansion, Mario Tennis, Mario Party, um, Mario Brothers uh, U Deluxe, and um, one more that I can't think of. Those were marked down on the eShop. Now, Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe were not. Oh, those are the ones I want. <laughs> yeah, but if you go to Best Buy, I think even on Amazon, Amazon doesn't have Mario Odyssey it's sold out. But if you go to Best Buy, Best Buy has Mario Odyssey for $39.99 and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. They're both $39.99. I actually just ordered them off Best Buy. We have next day delivery for Best Buy here. So I just ordered the carts. So yeah, I ordered Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8, Mario and Mario Party. Those are the three that I got. Um, but yeah, they were all 38 bucks, which I thought was pretty awesome for Nintendo games because you never hardly see them marked down. But yeah, there, there's quite a few titles. You can go in the eShop and you go to the sale tab on eShop. You can see most of them. But but yeah, they were like, we're not marking Odyssey down. It's selling just fine, I guess, on the eShop. Or maybe they have some kind of deal in place with brick and mortars where they can't mark it down. That's the first thing I thought of. Maybe I'm just talking out of my butt. Nah, you're, you're probably right because... I've been getting, I'll, I'll go to Amazon and get like the digital code just because it's kind of easy mm-hmm. uh, to, to give that to your kid and stuff instead of having a card on attached to their account. Uh, but but it, it's been kind of hard to find some of these Nintendo games, even in digital. Um, so you wind up getting the points and giving them the points and letting them buy it. But yeah, they kind of got a tight leash on their first party stuff, definitely. Yeah, it seems it seems like I mean, I guess slowly they're coming around slowly. It's just one of those things where, you know, I I get it, but it would be nice for them to have those top tier titles, which Bowser's Fury, I can understand because it yeah, just came out. Just came out. Yeah. 
But yeah, they should have marked Odyssey down on the eShop because I like I have a 128 gig um SD card, so I was looking yeah, forward too. to <laughs> buying yeah buying some of these and just downloading them. But I think yeah, if you want Mario Kart or Odyssey, you're gonna have to go to a brick and mortar. Yeah, I 100 percent want to go all digital. The most I can see myself doing is maybe getting one game and keeping it in there. <laughs> but but I'm trying to go all digital uh, with this console just because it's so handy and I don't want to carry around anything extra. Yeah, it's it's kind of been the opposite for me. Like I've kind of in, like I I think it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of like because I've I haven't had like a console where I actually bought like physical games in a in a long time so yeah i was actually kind of amped about buying the physical copies of these games bravely default i did buy on the eShop, but the rest of my games except for rocket league i downloaded that there is a game that i bought so far have all been physical ones but um actually bought actually bought me a a switch carrying case oh i gotta get one of those too well yeah a carrying case and it has a little thing in there where you can carry like six six game cartridges in it Oh, look at you with your little Switch case. Oh. <laughs> but the one I bought, the Switch light case I bought, it's gray. Like, my Switch is yellow, but the case is, like, gray. It came with, like, a little protector for it, like a little armor thing for it. Like a neoprene, not neoprene, but just a rubber kind of armor that you can put on it. And it came with grips for the sticks, and it's got, like, actually the case in it, too. I'm thinking of getting some type of sleeve or glove or whatever for mine because... Man, my hands are way too big for the Switch Lite. Yeah, yeah, I, I was kind of getting that too. It really depends on what games too, because some games you you can hold it a little bit different. I, I, especially with Rocket League, I find myself having to kind of use my bottom two pinkies to like prop under it while I hold it together. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of Nintendo Switch, I have a story here from The Verge, and you may have heard of some of the leaks coming up for an upgraded Switch, possibly. In the near future? Yeah, I've heard some rumblings. And the big news out of this leak or these, you know, predictions is that there's going to be a 7-inch, which is just slightly bigger, 720p OLED, which is no way better than the screen we have now. And with the possibility of being able to output it 4K when connected to a TV. That sounds pretty freaking awesome to me. Sounds sounds pretty sweet. Sounds pretty sweet because you definitely know with the Switch Lite, the screen is not the best. It's it's good enough. <laughs> it's just good enough. Yeah, it gets pretty bright though. Yeah, but it's on. It's only a seven twenty p screen though, so that's true. But but you know, with that said, uh, I wanted to use this story to kind of pivot. We've had a few weeks to sit with our our, our switches, uh, and I want to know from you, like, what do you? expect or what would you want what's your dream thing to have for the next switch if you could pick and choose a few things to make it better honestly um let's let's be frank nintendo games aren't and they're not meant to be but they aren't the most graphically demanding games so what i would love to see is this system run things 4k 60 plus frames a second from a hardware perspective i would like to see like a dedicated like box, you know how the kind of the Switch Lite is a dedicated handheld. Yeah, I feel like they had to make compromises with the original Switch because it's portable and it's a home console. Yeah. So they they had to make some compromises there with as, as far as like performance versus battery life. Which the the Switch version two 
it gets much better battery life than the second switch because it, the op, the hardware is optimized better. I think it gets like nine hours of battery life or something like the the V2 is insane, which is the one I almost bought before I bought the light. But of course you want better battery life. I think the resolution switching and stuff. <laughs> the thing, the thing I don't like about that is, which we don't really have to worry about it because ours is dedicated 720p, but the, the resolution switching is like when you dock it, it's 1080p. When you undock it, it's 720. I mean, there's just so many parameters there that you have to deal with. I just hope they go with like a more seamless experience where, you know, the games run at what they run at. And yeah. regardless of what you use, it, <laughs> it kind of, sti- yeah. But Nintendo, I mean, other than that, you know, I would like to see some new, as far as like the games go, I would like to see some new, like them try some new stuff. I guess, because it seems like they just rehash the same archetypes of games for every console, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's obviously working for them, but I would like to see them take some risks, you know? Yeah. I know for me, I think I would like better speakers. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they are on the big boy, but on the light, man, I could barely hear anything on that thing. It's quite bad. (laughs) The speakers are quite bad. I'm, most of the time, I'm using my Sony headphones, but you're right. The speakers aren't the best. Yeah, maybe I should throw in some headphones on mine, but but the speakers are horrible. I almost want them to add a little more, not really texture, but a little more curves to the grip of the light because it's so small and hard to hold at times. It's just like it could be a little more ergonomic, and I don't really know how to do that, but uh, that that's something that jumps out to me that would make it instantly better. Yeah, better for me. But other than that, no huge complaints. I I love everything you said as well as this 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 new screen that might be coming. I'm down for all that, man. I really. Oh have. yeah, for sure, for sure. So, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of Parlor, right? I guess I can really think of a good transition for this because it's Parlor. But yes, I have. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. Apparently, they're trying to get back on the the Apple Store and. Apple said no thanks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the the this is from the Hill. Uh, basically, the gist of it is Apple denied parlor reentry to the company's app store after the controversial conservative attracting social media app was ousted. After having reviewed and did the new information, we do not believe these changes are sufficient to comply with app store review guidelines. Um, there's no place for hateful, racist, discriminatory content, discriminatory content on the app store. So yeah, thoughts? <laughs> um probably a good move but i think well i know at first like uh, amazon uh, amazon knocked them off of their platform as well which i think they did eventually let them back i believe but i guess this could pivot to a bigger conversation of uh when cancel culture hits tech industry and it's it's so crazy because it seems like in the last what year and a half cancel culture or, or counseling I guess me too kind of started it, but, but council culture, that phrase is kind of, um, gotten too big. You know, <laughs> people try to use it for everything. When some of the stuff is just common sense, they are violating the policies. They're not ab- abiding by the rules. It's not council culture. They're just not doing what they're supposed to do to be on the platform. Uh, and it definitely has hit the tech industry when you look at what happened to our former uh, commander in chief. <laughs> and uh, various others who have all been have been I don't even know if ostracized is the right word, but have been straight up banned from various platforms 
because of lies, untruths, and <laughs> incitement. So it, this is kind of crazy how this is hitting the tech in, hit the tech industry, and, and Parler is is really no exception. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to be as politically neutral as I can when I say this, but it's one of the things where you know there's a terms of service, and you when you register your account, you agree to those terms. When you put your application on AWS, you agree to these terms. When you put your you know app on the App Store, you agree to certain terms. And when you don't, especially this deals especially with Trump and Twitter, like when you don't adhere to the terms and you don't, you know, you keep doing the thing that got you um, suspended or whatever. Yeah. You can't, you can't get upset when people kick you off. I mean, yeah. look at what happened. I mean, again, not to make this too, too political, but look at what happened to Colin Kaepernick. Okay. So Colin Kaepernick kneeled. It was not against the NFL rules to kneel during the national anthem. There was no rule saying you, you had to stand, right? Yep. And like, look what he didn't break any rules, but he, he pissed off the wrong people and yeah. he was like never able to get back into the NFL. And this, like people, I, like I was trying to use this as an example of why you should be. I was like, wait a minute. He didn't even break any rules. Like these people, like Trump and Parler, they, they broke rules that were established. Yeah. And you can't. I don't know the right way to say this. You can't um complain when you break the rules and get kicked off. And you can't say, look, this person broke the rules and they didn't get kicked off. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But the point is, you did break the rules. So you can't say that they shouldn't have kicked you off, especially when you agree to the terms. Yeah, these these are private companies with established rules. Uh, and they try to, or people try to say that they're infringing upon your free speech. Oh God! Don't I mean, get me you can go stand on the corner and say whatever you want. You know, you can't get on it's television and say whatever you want. I mean, it's people use free speech to as a right to say anything they want to say in any in any forum. People don't even know what the the was it the First Amendment? Like they don't even know what it what it says. Like yeah. Basically, the First Amendment, all it means is Congress can't pro- pass laws that says that you can't, <laughs> you can't, they can't pass a law that says you can't speak bad about the government. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And of course, you know, as it stands now, if you say Biden can take a hike or something, nobody's going to kick down your door <laughs> and and Congress can't pass any laws. This is, gov- this is dealing with government, though, like not private companies. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get that twisted. And, you know, even though I have some maybe disagreements with the type of rhetoric that's on Parler, I do think there is room for a forum where there's true political speak that might not be agreed by one end. (laughs) But but if it if it when it goes into hate, if it goes into that 4chan area, you know, you really have to take a step back and say, okay, is this really a good thing? You know? And and um, I think on the face of it, it could have been a good idea. But, you know, to, to be a cesspool for all things toxic, I, I don't know. And I haven't been on Parler. So, you know, I yeah. can't say one way or the other. I can't speak to Parler, but I've been all around the the um, underworld of Reddit, so to speak. And even on Reddit, like things get pretty seedy. But like when you cross a certain line, your whole your whole sub gets banned, like your whole subreddit will get banned. If the moderators don't do their job 
and like cut people, you know, people that are doing ridiculous, saying ridiculous stuff, they'll they'll ban you. Like I got, I think I got banned from the political, which is a which is a liberal. It's called our political, but it's a it's a liberal subreddit. Mm-hmm. And I said something. It wasn't even like anything necessarily bad, but I said something about somebody wanting to get punched in the face or something, and they banned me for vi- <laughs> speaking about violence. <laughs> Oh boy, that's funny. I mean, I would rather them err on the side of caution like that than let people just say whatever they want, you know, cause there's, no, I mean, my, the way I always understood America is like your rights end when you infringe on the rights of somebody else. Like that's to me, that's kind of always been a staple of Americanism. Good old Mr. Burns. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that's a word, but yeah, you know, that's kind of been my thing is. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want, as long as you're not infringing on the, the free freedom of somebody else. Because when you do, it's not a free country. You know, everybody yeah. has to be free, not just you. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of, of Twitter and social media, I guess, um, I know we talked about NFT last week. And I just wanted to circle back because I feel like I still feel like it's I, it, it just aches at me a little bit, man. I, I, NFT? I, yeah, NFT, non fungible tokens. It's, oh. it, it's just not. <laughs> it's just not. No matter how I try to rationalize what it is, it still just does not sit right with me. So I, I'll first say that Jack Dorsey's first tweet. They're saying that it may fetch up to two point five million dollars, and he's going to donate the proceeds to charity. That's kind of the big story. Who's Jack Dorsey? Oh, Twitter, the founder. Yeah, the founder. Of he Twitter. doesn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> no, no, his first tweet. What do you mean his first tweet? His first, the first. I guess it was the first tweet on Twitter. How well, is it? How was it gonna? How was that gonna? What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, you have to explain this to me because I thought you meant like he was starting an account and like he was gonna tweet. And then... no, I guess it was the first tweet ever in on Twitter. Whenever Twitter came out, in 2006 or whatever. Oh, so they're NFTing his first. Tweet. They're going to NFT the tweet and sell the, I guess, whatever, the contract to own the first tweet. Which, okay, okay, this actually makes sense. This makes sense but to does me, it actually. Though? But does I mean, it? but see, this this is the way I think about it, right? Like now that I kind of understand what's happening, this is the way I think about it. Okay, let's go back to 1984 when Michael Jordan was drafted. Let's say somebody took a picture of his first dunk and got Michael Jordan to sign it. Just a regular picture. They took a picture and at the end of the game, Michael Jordan signed it for him. Right. And they put it in a frame and it's in a vault somewhere. And Michael Jordan was able to like authenticate and say, this is, this is my signature, whatever. To me, this is kind of the same thing. <laughs> kind of, but it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's NFT is digital, but you own your own, you get to own that first tweet. I know it doesn't make it probably doesn't sound like it makes a whole lot of sense, but when you think about the internet where everything can be copied, everything can be duplicated, this is giving some kind of authenticity to this, if that makes sense. So, so that being said, I, I, I'm trying to rationalize it in my brain. You know, what, what does it mean to have ownership of that thing? And it really, it means nothing. Really, it means nothing because it can be if it can be copied to a perfect uh, to every bit copied like the original. It really means nothing to own the first to to be the contract owner of the copy. It really doesn't. So uh, bear with me just a moment. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. (laughs) So my proposal to make this rationalize with me, with Clarence, 
is if I'm a artist and I'm selling my digital goods online, and it's sort of like they do with the free tier of some of these image services, you know, somehow lock put lock up the ultra bit rate high in um, uh, 4K version of the image. Lock it up and give it to that person. And we can still have the low res image that's spread across the Internet. I, I just want something that feels tangible to have actual worth to owning that. Because really, I mean, and, and we use the 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 idea of, um, um, you know, baseball cards that are copied or uh, copying the Mona Lisa. There's still value to owning the canvas that the actual artist painted on. And. If we're going digital and is an exact copy, what real value is it to just having that contract? And I propose that there is no value. Let me ask you this. How do we know the Mona Lisa that's sitting in the museum somewhere? How do we really know that's the real one? How do we? There's no way for us to really know it's the real Mona Lisa. Well, there's no way for me to know. Now, there's a a way for a historian an art, uh, art, art is art, artist, art story, an art historian to actually know that's the real one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Yes. I mean, if you think about the process they use to authenticate paintings, you know, I don't even know if they carbon date paintings. Maybe they do. But they look at the type of, they like, if you painted a copy of Mona Lisa and took it to Authenticator, they're going to look at the type of paint that was used. They're going to look at the age of, you know, they're they're going to look at, I mean, they're going to look at the photo and based on the materials that that the photo was created with or the picture was created with and the techniques used, they're they're going to, you know, determine whether it was authentic or not. But that's still a human doing it, though. Um, And and that's my point is and that whole process is is susceptible to corruption. Like if, if if somebody paid this art historian or this this authenticator they pay them a boatload of money to say that this is authentic, and this has it happens. Well, 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 well let, it, let me. It, it it can be it can, people. They can tell people that this is the real one, and it's not really the real one. Whereas with this, we have a digital signature, we have a blockchain, so everybody can see that this whoever this person is, they are the owner of the first tweet. And I get what you you know. I'm I'm kind of making a stretch here, but. That's 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 kind of how I feel about the digital stuff. Is it as should it be as valuable as something like the Mona Lisa? No, I don't think it should. But that doesn't mean it's worthless. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean it's worthless. But by the same token, um, I I feel like people even do it with software. We don't pay for what software is worth. We just well, not now, but when we were younger and I'm sure plenty of the young kids, they just steal it. To me, when something is so and part of it is being so easily accessible. I mean, it's happening. Everything that's going digital. The value has dropped tremendously. I mean, to me, the the best case of something like this was that the Wu-Tang did. The Wu-Tang Clan did. They made a whole album, an entire album. They never released it. They sold it to this one person. And he's the only person that has that one copy of the album. And they sold it for like millions of dollars. Um, To me, that's probably the best case of something like this even though it's not necessarily the same thing there's something tangible you know that nobody else has yeah and i can see that but i can see that if it's not something that's that's already ready readily available and not something that can get out i I would rather if they're going to go this route i would rather for that file to be wrapped in something 
And maybe it is. I don't know. I've just read some stuff about it. But I'd rather I'd rather the file to be wrapped in some type of wrapper that, you know, just just a little. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying here? Just a little bit more of something that make you feel like you actually bought something that's unique, you know? I get what you're saying. I think this is more of a rights thing, even though I don't think the person has any rights to, like, they can't take this weed down. I yeah. don't think. But it, you know, it's, with this one, to me, like, I get the the sports thing, but to me, this is, this is even more flimsy than, like, the sports clip thing, even though the yeah. sports clip thing is pretty flimsy, honestly. Because, like you said, it's something that can be easily duplicated. Now, one thing they are doing the fungible tokens is they're they're doing that with like pieces of art. Yeah. Like, you know, like not the Mona Lisa, but you know, pieces of art. They're putting them they're convert well, they're not converting them, but they're they're di- 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 dividing ownership of these pieces of art with like non-fungible tokens and as the value goes up, you know, if you invested in the piece of art, your your share of that value appreciates. To me, something like that makes a whole lot more sense than this, even though I can kind of see what they're going with here. But I can't believe somebody paid two and a half million dollars for this. And I will say I do agree that if it's a new thing, but if something that's our, the floodgates that I have already opened on, like why are you NFT in it? You know, if it's his first tweet, why are you NFT in it? But I can see on something like somebody actually went and created a digital piece of art. I'm going to put the high quality version behind this store. It's going to be NFT. It's going to be unique to one person. You can buy it. And after you bought it, you can do whatever you want to it. You know, let it get out there and get copied. But after I sold to you, I don't care. You know, and even if you give it to the first hundred people, you give that responsibility to them. But for for something that's already out there, like a video clip of somebody dunking or um, a, a a tweet that's been out since 2006. I'm like, really? what are we doing here? So it looks like the winner actually gets a digital certificate of the tweet, even though the tweet is still view- will remain viewable. Um, assuming that Twitter or Dorsey himself does not remove it. Um, and it says this, why would I pay to own a tweet? Here we go. Owning any digital content can be a financial investment, hold sentimental value, and create a relationship between collector and creator. Like an autograph or a base- on a baseball card. Yeah, remember you said it? Uh, the NFT itself is the creator's autograph on the content, making it scarce, unique, and valuable. So their take is this NFT thing is like Jack Dorsey autographing his tweet. So you have an autographed copy of the first tweet. Even that makes me feel a little better about this, even though I don't feel great about it. But I mean, that's basically it, though. I mean, that yeah. that pretty much sums it up in a nutshell right there. Yeah. And I guess I could feel a little bit better looking at it. That's the first logical explanation that gives me a little comfort. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's un- like you. But again, like I talked about this last week. What value does a Michael Jordan autograph rookie card? What like what value does it really have? It's 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 universe. It's what gives it value is that everybody recognizes that it's valuable. Like that's it. That's the only thing that gives it value. Well, I, I will add with physical goods, there is also intrinsic value with what it is. You know, um, of course, the card only costs probably two cents to print. But, yeah, that's my point. But it's, it's as rare. It's just, it's just but ink then, on a piece but, of paper. But 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 physical has a rarity that is not present or that is not inherently present with digital. Now you say that, you say that, but when Kobe Bryant died, I went on Amazon because I wanted to buy the Kobe Bryant issue of Sports Illustrated that they, they had published not too long ago, right? 
So I'm like, oh, wow, this is still pretty cheap. Let me buy it. So I get it. Oh, God. And it gets here. And it's a reprint. It's not even original run. Is it? Is it a Dub Magazine reprint? Or you said sport? Is it a Sports Illustrated reprint? It's a Sport Illustrated. It, oh, it's it, a re, it's a reprint. But it's coming from the source. I'm I'm, I'm good with but that. But it's but it's a reprint. It's not original <laughs> run, so it's not as valuable. And True. this is my point. It's not as valuable, even though it's the same ink on the same paper. It's not as valuable as you know a first run copy. It's and, just and, not. And I do like that that analogy a little bit better. But 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 I was thinking more so when it's copied by some knockoff person doing it out of their basement. You know, it it it's not going to have the same quality, but presumably not going to have the same quality. But I think we I think we run this one in the crowd. <laughs> but yeah, but that's my point. Same quality, everything, but it's not first run. I mean, you get this with comic books. You get it with, with oh yeah, um, reprints all the time with yeah. like George R. R. Martin. Like if you have an original copy of Game of Thrones, like from the first run. It's worth infinitely more than the copies that followed. And that's, I guess that's kind of what they're going for here. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. We beat this in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to pivot to streaming services and I want to talk about Disney Plus. And they have surpassed 100 million subscribers. Not surprised. um, After only a year and a half. Of course, they're touted by properties such as one division all the marvel stuff and of course um the mandalorian star wars stuff and with a a myriad of other shows from from those ips coming out in the next few years so definite value with that you still have the added bonus of getting some of these movies that are currently out in theaters for just a little bit more you know 30 bucks you own it but you know it's currently running in theaters so definitely a good value, but really the only reason I really wanted to talk about this story and that Disney Plus is doing so good is to pivot a little bit and say maybe what can some of the other streaming services do better? And I have some qualms with Paramount Plus that I can talk about, but oh. but, <laughs> but but what what who do you, who do you think does it best? And when I said does it best, of course different properties or different. Providers are going to have different content, but as far as the technological side of it, who has the best app? Who has the best, the easiest service to jump on and watch things? I would dare say uh, Paramount Plus is the worst of all of those, <laughs> but, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I have so many thoughts. I guess it just depends on what you're going for. Technically, I think Disney Plus is as strong, if not stronger, than Netflix, which is probably the, I don't know the word, the ringleader, so to speak. And the thing about Disney Plus, it's not just about the content that they have. They have a really nice app, and it's not hard to find anything. Everything is arranged and collated the way it needs to be. There's a Marvel tab. There's a Star Wars tab. There's a freaking um, National Geographic (laughs) tab. Like, everything is arranged exactly how it needs to be. I would even put HBO on... Is HBO Max? Is that what yeah, it is? HBO Max, yeah. I would even put HBO Max up up there. The thing I didn't like about Paramount Plus is that everything's just kind of jumbled together. It's really hard to find what you're looking for um, if you don't know exactly what it is, if yeah. that makes sense. No, that, I'm right there with you. It, it can be hard to find things. But, you know, content isn't always king. And the, to me, the best example of this is Funimation's app versus Crunchyroll. Funimation has way more content than Crunchyroll does. It has dubs, so if you're not into watching subtitled anime, you can watch the English versions. 
It has all of Dragon Ball on it, which is amazing, but their app is garbage. Like it's <laughs> to put it, to put it mildly, their their app is hot garbage. So wow. Nine times out of ten, I would still rather go to Crunchyroll just because their app is solid. It's not hard to find stuff. You can do favorites and everything. You know, you have a queue. Just you know, basic stuff. Yeah, you basic. know that just about any streaming service should have. What's up, Paramount Plus? <laughs> yeah, but like you can queue things up. The the streaming doesn't stutter. I don't know if Funimation needs more servers or what. Um, I've had all kinds of weird stuff happen while I was watching. But that to me, that's the perfect analog is content isn't always king. Because like Paramount Plus, they have a crap load of stuff to watch on there. Yeah. And I really love the amount of content, but you need to make sure it's user friendly. To me, that's the the biggest thing is it's not like... If you can output a 4K stream or, you know, you can give me a, you know, a 10 megabit, 1080p show. Like that stuff is nice. But if your app isn't easy to navigate, it doesn't matter what else you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I don't envy them having to try to organize everything. But, you know, build in a good search, build in a queue that when I do find something that I actually like, I can hit a plus button or hit a heart to where yeah. I can find it again the next time. And and Paramount Plus certainly doesn't have that. I thought <laughs> I thought they were going to fix the app when they went from CBS All Access to Paramount Plus. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of the original series Star Trek lately. And every time, every time, if I want to go to a different episode, I have to dig and find it. Now it does keep the most recent episode in a little row. So it doesn't queue up the next day. It queues up the most recent app, but there's no way to go to that, hit play, and then go to the episode list. Oh, you have to back out. Yeah, there's no ep- episode uh, list attached to the video that you can easily go to. It's it's just like little the things. The little things, yeah. Yeah. That Quality make of life things. Yeah, it's really disappointing because like you said, they have good stuff. I watched the stand on there and they got, they got a, a lot a lot of great content, especially since merging with Paramount Plus, but... But man, it's uh, it's probably the worst out of all of them. I need to see if Martial Law is on there. You remember that show? I've never heard of it. Okay, so you remember when Rush Hour came out? Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, you know, buddy action, hilarious. Yeah. So basically, CBS made a TV version of that. It was Sammo Hung, which is um, he's one of he's like closely re- like not like. As far as like family, but he's like closely related or linked with Jackie Chan. He's done a bunch of movies with them. Most of them were done before Jackie Chan got big in America. They're called the Three Brothers: Jackie Chan, Simo Hong, and Yuen Biao. They did they did a bunch of movies together in the eighties. Awesome martial arts comedy type movies. One of my favorite movies. Period is one called Dragons Forever. I'm I'm digressing, but anyway, this was Simo Hong and Arsenio Hall. <laughs> they, it was called <laughs> Martial Law. Chris Tucker. It, yeah, so Arsenio <laughs> Hall was Chris Tucker's character, and Sammo Hong was Jackie Chan, and it was basically the same setup. These two crime, it was a crime fighter, buddy action, black guy, and the 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 Asian like karate master guy. Oh my cop. god! You think like I and I love I'm, this I'm show. I'm looking at a picture right now, man. I loved, I love this show. I could have never was, heard of this. It was one of my favorite TV shows when I was a kid, man. I what, love what that year show. did this come out? Like in the late nineties? Yeah, it was the late nineties. But man, I've I lo- never I, heard. Oh of my this. god, I love that show. I, I hope, I hope it's on CBS Plus. But 
or, or Paramount Plus, sorry. <laughs> but, wow. Oh my god, I love that show so much. So I need to see if it's on there. And it has pretty high ratings on IMDb and TV.com. I mean, it's pretty high, but it was just a fun show. Like, you know, it wasn't anything too serious. We yeah. definitely need to talk oh, about this. I need I need to see if it's on there. Uh, we might not be able to find it if it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love that show, dude. Well, you know, not all of they don't have everything Paramount on that service, and that's another caveat. And I guess it's sort of like you get with, you know, Spider Man being with Sony. They have a lot of things that they have licensed out to other streaming services. I mean, I, Disney had the same problem with the Marvel movies when they first came, uh, uh, debuted Disney Plus. But like some of the stuff is licensed out, and it's not even on, not even on Paramount Plus. They don't even have all the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. What? Those are licensed to other services exclusively uh, oh yeah disney had that problem with some of the star wars movies actually so speaking of streaming services have you heard a service called he he streams he he streams no so just type in he he streams one word in in google and this is a pirated for pay sports network Oh yeah, I I haven't heard of he he streams, but Reddit's got a whole under underground of of NFL, NBA, how golf streams. How, how does this exist? Yeah, this is this is kind of this is kind of sketchy. Wow, it's just really weird that this could exist. And this is like a story on the verge. And I went to the site, and it's still there. They probably can't shut it down. Yeah, because I think it's a. In any case, I think stream is like a federal thing anyway, so it had to be the feds to shut them down. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it, think about how long it took them to shut the Pirate Bay down. It took years, you know. Oh man, those were the good old days. <laughs> but now yeah. with like VPNs and stuff, it would be pretty difficult to track this down, especially with no log VPNs. Because a lot of VPNs now they don't even keep logs. So, is he if he's serving this from a VPN? They could go after the VPN, you know, but if they don't log it, they're not going to be able to tell them who it is, you know? Um, yeah. It's just surprising that this stuff could be um, decrypted that easily. Crazy. Um, But yeah, Maybe I mean. It, well, I mean, I'll give you another reason. You know, the, like piracy fills a void. It fills a need. Like in, in every instance that I can think of, of like digital piracy, it always fills a need. We can go back to the Napster days, right? Yeah. Back in the Napster days, new release CDs were $20 a pop. Easily. $20, $20. And once you open a CD, what? You, if you don't like it, you can't return it. Yeah, true, true. You true. know, um, re- record companies were greedy, 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 greedy. I mean, they tried to shut down, they tried to do the same thing with cassette tapes. It didn't, you know, it didn't really materialize, materialize. But what did they do? They put copy protection on CDs. People cracked it pretty easily. And then with the, with the, with, you know, with the opening of the internet, people started to share files, you know, because why it was way more convenient and it was just way more convenient to go into your computer, look for the music you wanted instead of having to dredge to, there was, there was no, like, think about yeah. this time. There was no iTunes. There was no Spotify. Like if you wanted, if you wanted a release, you had two choices. You could, re- you could try to record it off the radio or you had to load up and drive to a store and buy it. And and they were expensive, and you couldn't return them. So, you know, with the internet, people just started ripping their songs and putting them online. And it's like, hey, I can just go to my desk, 
type yeah. in Metallica. I'm, I'm, I said Metallica just because they sued Napster back in the day. But um, they type in Metallica and bam, all the Metallica songs are right there. Yeah. And if you think about sports streaming, especially the NFL, it's like it's ridiculous because what what do people want? They want to watch their team. They want to watch all the games. So you have all these regional lockouts, which lockouts to me last season made no sense at all because nobody was in the stadium. Yeah. Nobody was in the stadium. Everybody was watching from home. Why would my local team be blacked out? Because nobody's even, in, you know? So there's yeah, I mean, that. And the fact that, I'm sorry, and the fact that like NFL, like Sunday Ticket was, it's DirecTV only right now. I think they're going to open that up soon. But it's DirecTV only if you wanted to legally get all the games. That's your only choice. Now, the NFL does have something called Sunday, I can't remember what it's called. NFL something, NFL League Pass. Okay, in, in America, NFL League Pass means after a game has ended, you can go online and watch it. There's an International League Pass where you can actually watch all the, you, you know, you can watch you whatever game you want. Yeah, you can watch a lot. <laughs> what? But inside the United States, you can't. So, yeah. when you think yeah. about that, one, I'll, I'll give the NBA credit. Because with the NBA League Pass, you can pay like $150 and you can watch all of your team's games. So, you know, I'll give them props for that. But you can't even do that with NFL. Is it just your teams or every every game? I think you can pay like $200 or something and you can get all the games. But if you pay like $100 or $150, you can can just pay, you know, a lower price. And if you only want to watch the Lakers, you can just pay it and watch the Lakers, you know? Yeah. But the NFL has nothing like that. I don't even know about the NHL or the MLB. I don't know what they have. I think MLB has kind of a league pass too. But there's a huge void here. That's why this guy's making money because the, the 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 sports teams are being greedy. They have all these TV contracts that they have to protect because they're getting paid boatloads of money. So they're intentionally not addressing this need. So somebody else has addressed it, and that's what that's what happened here. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you're totally right, man. And it's yeah, I loved your argument at the up, up top. It's always that convenience trumps piracy. If you're going to make it hard for people, they're probably going to pirate. When did music when did music piracy start going down? When Spotify and iTunes, iTunes yeah. It when it became less convenient to pirate is when piracy kind of went down. Are people still pirating stuff, of course? Yeah. yeah. But for the most a, part, people are like, oh, I'll just pay 12 bucks and get everything yeah, out there. That's pay, fine with I can, me. I can pay Ray Ray $100 and get all the bootlegs. Like, why would I, you know, like, it's basically <laughs> what this is, is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, there's an eat and they're filling the void. I mean, I totally agree with you. I just, it just it still seems shocking to me in 2020 that something can be so, uh, out there in the open. Brazen. Yeah. Brazen. That's the word. <laughs> Jeez. This is definitely brazen. Like I, I don't know if I would have the cojones to do something like this. Because when that hammer comes down, it's coming down hard. Yeah, it's coming down hard, man. A hundred percent. What was oh. it? Dave Chappelle had the special where he talked about this. Like this guy cheated him at cards, so he went up and was like, "Hey, hey, everybody, they're cheating!" And the guy pulled him to the side. He was like. Let me tell you something, young man. Don't ever get between. Don't ever get between a man and his next meal. <laughs> and that's exactly what this uh, is. Yeah, I saw that. He, he used that as an allegory to um, uh, Comedy Central. Was yeah, pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like that to me, like these people, they're fine right now, but they're gonna have to sleep with one eye open because <laughs> they're gonna have federal raids over this stuff. I hope he's not in the United States because if he is, he is screwed. 
Yeah. I mean, just think about how they, like, the Pirate Bay people were in, like, Sweden or something. I can't even remember where they were. But it was somewhere overseas, and then they they got destroyed. Yeah. And, and you got to think, too, like, back when Pirate Bay was huge, it was still, it still felt a little bit like early days. You know, it still kind of yeah. felt like early days. But now, mm, yeah. I don't know, man. When you want to talk about, like, sonar and radar and Plex, and that's a whole nother discussion. Maybe we'll have a discussion about that another day, but that's kind of like one person doing something off on their own. If you've got a billion people doing that, then it's a little harder to track them down, but something like this, they're going to find this dude, especially now. Yeah, the the Verge, like, pretty much blew him up. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, man. Jigs up. <laughs> Take the money and run. The jig is up. But yeah, I've enjoyed this conversation, man. We we covered some good stuff. I feel like yeah, it was some, a good talk. Good some talk. value here, man. Indeed. Yes. Shout out real quick. Check out the Discussing Trek podcast if you're into Star Trek stuff and you made it this far in. Yeah, and make sure to um catch us next week. Thanks for joining, guys, and we'll talk to y'all next time. Peace. Boom. Very very quick. I can't I can't beat that. <laughs> I just smells burnt and dusty. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreach.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.